tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite you guys up. Do you guys have mics or sound? Uh, make sure that, okay, you got your mic there. So Patrick and Jenny, you guys have been now, uh, we had the Uganda kids here Sunday night. They've been to Uganda on a mission trip. Uh, they were in Haiti. Uh, Jenny's native country, the Philippines, you guys were in the Philippines after the massive typhoon, and they ministered over in the Philippines as well. And now they've been most recently in Haiti. They're going to Guatemala with us. So uh, after all these trips, we figure we better let them share about one of these ones. So uh, Haiti, I think you're going you're gonna to be fascinated. Your heart will grow for Haiti, just like I hope it did for Uganda on Sunday night. So we'll turn it over to you guys. All right, Tess, there we go. You got it, okay. All right. Uh, bonsoir. That's good evening. Um, you know, just first, quickly, you know, this is really um, an honor and a responsibility. Um, we appreciate it, and uh, it's been a blessing to us just preparing for this, and, and we hope that, that it turns out to be a blessing for, for all of you. Um, if we'll just pray for a moment here. Uh, Lord, thank you for this opportunity and for this family that we've, we've gotten to be a part of. Lord, thank you for giving us a home and, and just letting us know your love and grace and mercy. And Lord, thank you for the opportunities that you give us to go and share your love with others in this world, all of your creation that, that you desire to see saved. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Please bless this time tonight. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Um, yeah, you want to talk about chairs a little bit? Yeah, so... Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so, like Pastor Tim said, we went with a bunch of people from HICF. I think there was 10 of us. And um, we met Malcolm and Joy Henderson there. They're the head. Um, they head up Cheris for Haiti. It's a nonprofit organization. They're just basically doing ministry there. And they live down there full-time. Well, eight months out of the year, they live down there with their... Um, three kids, and their fourth kid is in college in Tennessee, I think. So those are the people we were with. with. So just briefly, um, you know, where is Haiti? Um, Haiti's down uh, near Cuba, Jamaica. The island of uh, Hispaniola is is split roughly in half uh, between the Dominican Republic and Haiti. Uh, Columbus landed in Haiti. Uh, he dealt pretty brutally with the native people. And then years later, uh, the French took control and, and really were not any kinder um, to the individuals there. They, um, you know, strip cut huge portions of the island. They created sugarcane plantations. And, and they brought in a tremendous number of, of slaves from West Africa. Um, that's really the main people group that you'll find in Haiti today. And those West Africans brought their religion with them, um, known as Vudun. Um, it's a spirit-based religion. Um, you know, we, we recognize it as um, demonic in nature. Um, but they believe that they are working with good or at least benign spirits um, to, to achieve things. And then what really classifies Haitian voodoo versus Vudun was that sometime in their history, um, Vudun became illegal, and they tried to force everyone there to take on Catholicism. 
Um, so instead of giving up their religion, they just continued with voodoo and made it aesthetically. Outwardly, it looks kind of like Catholicism. They represent their, their spirits, their demons, as uh, Catholic saints. And, and there's just widespread deception in this nation. Um, they respect Scripture, but they haven't read it, so they're mistaken. They believe that God doesn't really have time for Haiti, isn't interested in Haiti, um, so they choose to work through Lucifer and his demons. It's, it's a knowing decision. I mean, it's, it's, it's a heavy thing to look into there, um, and they think that they're doing good through it. And, and so 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen tells us, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Um, we know that he'll imitate and deceive. This is just a, a closer up um, look at the, at the nation. Um, in the, the center of the angle, you'll see the, the capital is Port-au-Prince. Um, it's just a, a city full of terrible poverty and, and just a pressing crowd of people. The metropolitan area has around 3 million people estimated. Um, we spent our first day in, in Port-au-Prince, but then we really spent most of our time there in the rural areas along the southern coast. <clears throat> and so Hugans and Mambas, Mambas, um, that's voodoo priests and priestesses. Uh, like I was saying, they worship and work through Lucifer and demons. They know it. They admit it. Um, and so Haiti sometimes is described as the devil's playground. Um, so when we're going there on mission, intending to ruffle that, um, working for the Lord, we don't want to walk in there in presumption, full of you know, self-confidence, any type of, of arrogance. Um, we're warned in, in 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But, you know, we, we, we spent time in spiritual preparation. We had prayer meetings. We Skyped in with the guys down at HICF and just spent time bearing our hearts before God, you know, asking for hidden sin to be brought to light, trying to be clean before our king because we know that, that if we are trusting in God that we can go in in the victory that's in Christ. Um, the devil's defeated. We just don't want to walk in in presumption. Uh, so uh, Colossians 2.15 reminds us, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. We have victory in Christ. There we go. Um, so we flew into Port-au-Prince. We, we got into this busy crowded, small airport. Uh, we got out into the city. It was dusk going on night. It was, um, you know, just a new place, a little bit disconcerting. So it was really a welcomed comfort when, when we got to the hospitality of an orphanage right there in the city that took us in for the first day. Yeah, and this place was actually really cool. Um, it kind of gave you a break from the city because it was a walled-in compound and I didn't really get to see any of the kids, but they have to be self-sufficient. So they had goats and pigs and turkeys that I got to look at but not touch. <laughs> um, but it was, it was beautiful. 
they had uh, you know a massive mango tree and all. So so we were well taken care of for our for our first day there, and and we had this nice quiet place for for breakfast and devotions. Um, the picture's not not great for really seeing a lot of detail in the faces, uh, but this is is part of our team. Um, th- this was really a, a, a neat team. Um, you know, Pastor Tim has talked before. HICF has really had a heart for missions, and so it's it's permeated through the congregation. We had uh, a, a young girl who was 17 years old, still in high school. We had another young girl who was 19, about to go to college, um, getting. Her, her eye-opening experience before she goes off on her own. We had another young uh, married couple with us. Um, but, you know, we, we were there to work. We were there to work for Christ. We were there to meet people, to learn. Um, so we left the orphanage, and we began to go out into the busyness of the city, and we started to get a taste for the poverty that was there. Um, you know, we've... We, this is just barely outside of the compound, so you start to see the people are coming out in the morning. Um, it's just, it's, it's bleak, really. Um, you can see a little bit of graffiti in places. There's just the very first um, beginnings of a market that's starting to set up, and in the background of both pictures on the bottom, you can see those shacks. I mean, that's, that's a Haitian slum. That's, that's pretty far down there. It, it's not quite the worst of the slums of Haiti. Um, but those are just houses going off into the distance. Um, and, you know, sadly, Haiti is a nation with corrupt leadership from top to bottom. Um, they are living against God. Um, voodoo is not a hidden thing. It's an official religion of the country. Like I say, it's a knowing decision to follow Lucifer. They are deceived as to who Lucifer is, but it's it's a decision. Um, and and we know from, from studying nations through scripture, that when a nation is led and, and, and willingly chooses to go against God, you know, sin will, of a nation will be punished. Um, and as we started going out, we started seeing more evidence of that. Um, Deuteronomy 28, uh, 16 to 18 is, is a message to the nation of Israel. But it's, you know, it gives us an image of some of the things, some of the consequences that you might expect if a nation is just truly turned against God. Uh, cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Um, So like I say, as we continued, we began to see effects of political and religious leadership that's just turned their backs on God. Um, So... You know, you get out into the real parts of the city and just trash is everywhere. Um, and a lot of times I was too slow to get a picture of some of the worst conditions we saw. And, and other times it just, um, it just didn't feel right to take a picture of it. Um, you know, you've got little kids walking around barefoot over mounds and drifts of, of trash between the city streets. They're walking barefoot on on rusted cans, broken bottles. They're looking for something to eat, something to sell. Um, women will just kneel down and use the bathroom. Um, they'll, they'll walk off the street to a dry remnant of a river and just strip down and bathe. Um, it, there, there's just no sense of self-worth, no privacy. Um, so it's, it's a difficult place to go and look. There's people crowding into the markets, um, desperate for handouts. It's it's a bleak 
bleak area. Um, the, the top right picture is, is it's tiny in the picture, the little specks there. Um, those are pigs. They, they've got their pigs out. They're, they're pastured pigs. Um, they're, uh, they're going and, and searching through trash for, for their diet. So you can only imagine that that's fantastic to, uh, to consume. But, you know, honestly, if a Haitian is getting food, that is a blessing. Um, you know, the, the, the boats lying around. Uh, fishing is common, but unfortunately they've overfished their waters. They're having to go out farther and farther into deeper water. Um, you can see the, the remnant of the river there. That's where you'll see them washing a truck. A woman will be bathing right next to it. Someone will be next to her washing carrots um, to take over to the market. Um, and just everywhere you look, there's trash, razor wire, um, bare concrete. This is some of the most beautiful concrete we saw there. Somebody had painted it for some reason. Um, everything is just, it, it, it looks like the Middle East in a war zone, um, just blown out. Um, let's see. So, so some of you may know the story behind this. Um, the, the picture on the left, a family is mixing up a particular type of mud. Um, and they're spreading it into these little discs, and they're putting it out, letting it bake in the sun. Um, if you ask a kid what's going on, they'll tell you that, that they've learned that they only have to eat a meal every few days to live. Um, but the pain of hunger in between those meals is, is terrible. So the kids are literally eating dirt just to, to calm the pain. Uh, as they wait for their next meal, as they wonder when that'll come, um, you know it's it's the numbers are all mixed up online, um, but it's it's pretty clear that at least ten billion dollars has been pumped into this nation since the earthquake. Ten billion dollars. Um, we had people on this trip that were there um, on a mission trip right after the earthquake, and they're assuring us that after that ten billion dollars, it's worse today than it was after that earthquake. Um, these are the kinds of things that just, you know, when, when you fly into Haiti, you're on an airplane and you look around and 99% of the airplane is other missionaries. People aren't going to Haiti to vacation. It's all missions and outreach and humanitarian aid. And you get there and, and people, even loving Jesus, get there and they just see the hunger and the poverty and they focus on trying to meet the need and it just swallows them up. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've got to recognize that there is a spiritual disparity here, that, that, that we've got to go and show these people Jesus for the humanitarian aid to really start gaining traction and, and to make improvements. This is some of the evidence, some of the, you know, this nation has chosen Satan, and they're being left to Satan, and he's doing exactly what he wants to do in all of our lives. Um, but you know what? We, we always have hope in Christ. And so where those mud cookies were being made is City Soleil. It's, it's uh, one of the worst slums in the world. Um, but right in the midst of the poorest of the poor, you know, we, we're told in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So even in Port-au-Prince, there's light spots. You know, this is a Christian school. And in that poorest of the poor area, these kids are getting food, water, education. Most importantly, they're getting the gospel 
Um, you know, this is a pastor leading this school, and he basically told us, he said, while you're with me, don't worry when you're here in City Soleil. The people know us. They know that we've been here for years. They know what we do. No one's going to bother you while you're with us. This, they're known as light in this dark place. Um, you know, there's, there's one of the school buildings there in the background. The little girl wanted to model for us. Um, and then the, the top picture on the left, it's just water spigots over there. You know, it's a, really a luxury to have water. And they've got the simple inscription, I was thirsty, you give me water. Uh, and we just hung out with these kids for a while. You know, we let them laugh at us. We practiced our broken Creole with them. They practiced their broken, less broken than our Creole, uh, their broken English with us. And we just reminded them, Jesse Remeu, Jesus loves you. And they'd smile and they'd point back and say, you know, you too and all. And, um, you know, it really is nice to, to see the light that, that the Lord can bring in, into the darkest of situations. So just looking back at, at, at the map of Haiti again, you know, I told you we were there in Port-au-Prince, um, and then we, uh, we needed to get around to the south. There's really not a lot of road system in Haiti, uh, so we had to take a long pass through the mountains, um, just down and around um, past Jockmel and over towards Marigot. And we arrived at our new uh, temporary home, the Hotel Lamitié. Uh, and, you know, it's never disappointing to find out that you're staying oceanfront in the Caribbean. Um, uh, you want to? Yeah, but my favorite part wasn't the ocean. It was the goat stew every night. That was really good. <laughs> um, it was just really bony. But um, we, didn't really, we didn't really get to spend much time here. This was just really where a place we had din- uh, breakfast and dinner and then slept. And then most of the day we were out doing Bible studies or playing with kids wherever Malcolm would host the Bible studies, we would go, and that was what we did every day. Yeah, you know, the, the Haitians certainly aren't eating three meals a day, so, so we were blessed to get breakfast and dinner, and, and if people wanted to pack, you know, cliff bars or anything, they could have that for lunch, but uh, we, we were busy. You know, it's hot. You're busy. It, it wasn't a big deal to, to just skip lunch in between, um, and, and, and we were going around having the Bible studies in, in multiple towns each day. It was, it was a beautiful time. Um, you know, this is a little look at some of the logistics day-to-day. Uh, that's a, a tap-tap truck. It's kind of the typical taxi. Um, you're either taking a tap-tap or, or hopping on the back of a motorcycle with somebody. Um, people will just run and hop on those trucks and then tap-tap. I need to get off. Um, so they'll pull over and, and there they go. Um, it's kind of an honor system of just passing over a few cents. Um, you know, for the ride. And then down at the bottom, it's, it's really just the beginning of a market that's getting going. These markets will fill in and press in on the street, and people will just stop and get out and go and shop, and someone else will get out and go and yell at them for stopping and blocking traffic. So when you need to get from town to town and markets going, it's kind of just an act of patience out in the uh, Haitian sun. That's definitely not a crowded one. Um, and then... We would use uh, dry riverbeds when you would go places that didn't really have true roads. And uh, if you went to an area that was too rural to drive to, you would just park wherever you could get to and then walk the rest of the way. Uh, The last day we were there, it was really nice. They had this aqueduct. must have been some kind of project that was done. But uh, um, we could hop up on it and walk straight through instead of trying to go through the bush. 
So um, PowerPoint doesn't like uh, Apple videos, so when we go to play this, it should flip right side up. Um, but this is a typical drive in, in the areas that we were going to when they wouldn't have paved roads. This isn't a dry riverbed. This is just, um, you know, a, a road when the pavement would run out, and, and it was rough, but fine. You'll see some houses. We can go ahead and play it. Um, it you know, it's it's jarring. Don't get motion sick watching it, but uh, um, little houses and the banana trees. There really is some good fruit in Haiti. That was... Uh, a nice thing to enjoy. You got to share the road. You never know who's going to come up and, and pass you there. So they're taking supplies on their motorcycle. And I think we'll see one or two more houses over here, just these small homes. This is just driving through a community. All right. And then we can, can go on to the next one, which uh, the video really didn't turn out quite how I wanted it. It, it doesn't convey how rough this really was. It was kind of like a slow-motion roller coaster. We were going down through a dry riverbed, um, and I just gave a short clip of it when we were coming back up and out. You can see the mountains in the background. There really is some, some actually pretty scenery, um, <laughs> but access is terrible. You know, the mountains don't help. Um, that's one of the physical type of barriers for, for modern life to really get established in Haiti. We can, we can play that. This is heading um, east from where we were. The road stops pretty soon. You go on the road that that first video was, and then you get down, and you kind of have to choose dirt road up into the mountains or driving over river rocks, uh, going through the riverbed to to get on over. Uh, Haiti right now, it, it was dry season, plus they're in a drought, you know, just more bad conditions heaped on top of bad conditions. Um, I don't know what they do when the water does come, because the river stone is just strewn everywhere, so apparently it's kind of violent when the water comes down. Um, some of the road was raised. I'm not really sure if they just don't travel between towns or what. I didn't get a good, uh, a good answer to that. But these are just some homes in communities, uh, typical communities that we would go into. Um, the top two pictures are actually of kitchens. The one on the left is just a, um, a separate kitchen building um, that they would cook in. The one on the right is an open air, just a, a roof, and, and they would cook out there. The houses on the bottom are in different states of being built and occupied. Uh, the one on the right was actually a house that one of our drivers was building, so he was proud to show us that. Um, and, you know, often when we're going into communities like this, we'd show up and someone would have injured themselves and they'd have an infected area that needed to be cut out. Um, they'd have a wound that needed to be cleaned and stitched or stitches that needed to be removed or teeth that needed to be pulled. And uh, Malcolm, by trade, is, was a, is a, a surgeon. Um, he gave up a, a, a role as a surgeon up in Chicago and went to Haiti. So he carries a medical bag with him everywhere he goes. They don't have access to medical or dental, so he's picked up dental skills out of necessity. Um, and we would just stop what we were doing, and he would sanitize and give them local anesthetic and cut out whatever needed to be cut out or cut off whatever needed to be cut off. Um, I don't have a stomach for that. So I would go and minister somewhere on the perimeter um, and, and pray a lot, partially for myself to not pass out and hit my head in Haiti. Um, but, uh, you know, there's just 
things that should not happen in, in the modern world going on in Haiti. You know, people are, are, are dying of, of just basic wounds. You know, simple infection is just horrific. Um, and, and, you know, it's a real tragedy when just not knowing better. When, when, when babies are born, um, the family may just go and grab the machete that they've been out working with in the field, and they'll cut the umbilical cord, and the child will get tetanus and, and die. And, and it's just, it, it shouldn't happen. Um, you know, this, uh, this is the, the political campaign system in rural Haiti. Uh, you get a weird semi-animated picture of somebody, um, no idea of who he is or what he is, but you'll see lots of faces uh, along the road. They'll put them on walls, on houses, on stores. We saw people's tombs plastered over with campaign signs. Uh, someone told us that they had over 100 candidates for president at this last election. Uh, so while we were there, there was technically no official government, so that was comforting. Um, they, they couldn't agree as to uh, whether or not so-and-so really won and, and who was going to take power and how and when. Um, and then on the right there is, is what used to be vehicles. You know, these guys are incredibly uh, uh, just apt at, at getting things that shouldn't run to run, but at some point, eventually, they do stop running, um, and then that had just been stripped down, and I have no idea how it got that crushed and mangled and just pushed off to the side of the road, but everyone was fine with it there. Um, and then the, the guy on the bottom left is just a, a fantastic blo- uh, brother in Christ. That's Destiny Mauvois. Uh He was our, our translator. He speaks seven languages fluently. Um, he's sitting there speaking Dutch to us, and I'm just laughing, um, assuming that it really is Dutch. It sounded very authentic. Um, he's, he's about to learn Swahili. Um, you know, he's really been a blessing to the ministry because these Haitians are terrified of the voodoo. They, they accept it, but they don't want to cross the priests. So when Malcolm would go and find a voodoo priest, the community would tell him where they were, and he would try to reach them, all of a sudden the Haitians with him would stop and they wouldn't go on the property. They weren't going to step foot on that guy's land and, and go against him. So destiny, being a brother in Christ, trusts in the victory, the power that we have in Jesus and, and would walk right across with him. Um, and, and so he's been critical right from the beginning uh, to the ministry. Uh, literally, if I've got the story right, Malcolm was praying over needing a translator needing to know how he would be able to go into these people's um, um, homes and, 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 and witness to them when you really have to watch how you're being respectful and you need to translate correctly. And literally, Destiny walks by the area and starts talking to him the next day. The Lord just put him in his, in his path. Um, all right, so, so like I've said, you know, the nation of Haiti is deceived by Satan. Um, they don't wake up one day and say, we want to be evil, we want to serve the devil. They're deceived. They're seeking provision through voodoo. Um, it's a very material-focused um, deception. Um, you know, they're worried about money, food, health, simple things that we worry about, and they've found that they can, you know, seek provision through voodoo. Um, and, and the devil has really set an illiteracy trap for these people. You know, some of them don't know how to read or write. 
almost no one who, who practices voodoo has any reason to learn any other type of skilled trade. So if you've done voodoo for 30 years and you can't read or write, and you decide, yeah, I think this demon is evil, I want to leave voodoo, what do you do? There's almost no opportunity to work in Haiti. Um, so these people are terrified. They're, they're like, if, if I turn to this Jesus that you're talking about, I, I will starve and die. So, so it's a matter of trying to, to speak to them in Scripture, hoping that the Lord will, will build faith and trusting that, that there will be provision. Um, and, and, you know, they've, they've got, like I said, a deceived concept of doing good. They think that seeking provision for themselves and their families and their friends is a good thing. They have no concept of if you're working through the devil, it can't be good. Um, and then, you know, for my American mind, as much as we talk about the spiritual world and we read scripture, I, I, it's hard to wrap myself around this, but I mean, these people are interacting with the spiritual world. We, we have this idea of why don't you take your faith in this evil thing and put it in Jesus, but it's tangible to them. That's, that's some of the sinister trickery of it is it's, it's not faith. It's tangible. So they don't, they've never known faith. So it is a huge obstacle for them to turn and go from a tangible provision to putting their faith in Jesus and trusting him. And then there's just false miracles, signs, and wonders. I mean, when these people see healing, try to convince them that, that it's wrong. Um, and then Satan loves putting layers of deception out there to trick people. And if you don't like voodoo, he'll, he'll give you you know, incorrect um, versions of Christianity, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses are, are working extensively in Haiti. Um, they're going around uh, deceiving them about uh, Scripture and lies about heaven and hell. When you go to a Haitian who hasn't eaten in a few days, is looking at their child who hasn't eaten in a few days, doesn't have work, they're sitting there in a drought, and a Jehovah's Witness tells them that hell is on earth, and when we have bad circumstances, we're in hell, they eat that up. I mean, that, that just rings true to them. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's trying to, to combat deception. So, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And then just for, for other truth, combating these deceptions, the material deception, uh, Matthew six thirty one and 33. Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then for Matthew twenty four twenty four, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So, can you recognize voodoo? It doesn't look the way I thought it would when I was going there. Um, you know, the, the pictures on the top are, are a couple of tombs. The pictures on the bottom are some paintings. Um, the, the top left is a voodoo tomb. There's nothing in it. It's ceremonial. They'll burn candles in front of it. They'll do ceremonies there. The one on the right, I thought I was taking pictures of more voodoo things. Nope, I was just being disrespectful and taking a picture of someone's above-ground tomb. Um, so I was mistaken. Um, the uh, uh, picture in the middle on the bottom freaked me out. It was hung up in our hotel. Supposedly that's just Catholic. If you 
can see it well enough to focus on it, I'm going to show you a picture from in, or, or an image from inside of a voodoo temple, and you're going to see that exact same painting um, in the voodoo temple. Um, and then the two pictures on, on the outside there, they're definitely voodoo. Um, that's from a voodoo temple where they've represented their demons that they're working with as, as saints or similar types of images. So I think you'll like this video. This is a video from inside the voodoo temple of the number one Hugon in the state of Pareto. Um, when I say he's number one, I literally mean that this is government sanctioned and approved and he is the number one guy in his state. It's a hierarchy. It's, it's official. He literally trains and accredits voodoo priests. Um, so one of the kind of important distinctions there is, like I say, they think they're doing good, at least at first, um, before things get darker and darker working with the demon. So when I say Hugan, I'm referring to people that think they're doing good, um, they're, the, the government is fine with them, um, they're, they're seeking you know, money and, and influencing elections, um, health provision, whatever. Um, then you've got malefactors. Malefactors are into the much darker black magic. If you want to hurt somebody, curse somebody, kill somebody, you go to a malefactor. And in a nation that's okay with voodoo, they're still they're, they're afraid of these guys. Um, they're, they're dangerous. They are not so approved, but nobody messes with them. They, they don't go in and try to stop them. Um, so, so this guy is a Hugan. He's very successful. Um, this is an anomaly. This is a two-story... Um, enclosed building temple. It's got intricate artwork and statues and all kinds of, of symbolic decorations. Uh, so we can go ahead and, and take a tour. We were sitting with this guy for a couple of hours, and uh, I'm sitting there just kind of nervously watching the time and, and looking outside as it's getting darker and darker, just assuming there's no way we're going to let night fall, sitting here talking to this guy um, and just praying for uh, protection and, and courage from the Spirit. Um, but yeah, you know, night has fallen, and he allows us um, to to just video his his temple. So we're just seeing images. There's an iron there that that rod I'll talk about later. It's just an iron um, rod that's been put in the ground. It's it's very important symbolism to voodoo. You can see a lot of different influences in these images that they've got all over here. There's all kinds of banners and flags, um, bones hanging from the ceiling, um, just a lot of symbolism. It's a very dark place. And this is the uh, the painting to the left is is the one that was hanging in the hotel. Okay, so like I said, Haitians believe in the spiritual world. You, you don't have to convince a Haitian that spiritual things exist. Um, and that's actually a really good thing because it leaves them extremely um, open, susceptible to, the, to, to just the touch of the spirit, to their conscience being pricked. Um, when you read scripture to these guys, you get a response. 
some of them respond negatively. Um, this priest in the top right, he's got a creepy little statue there that they believe represents their demon. The picture in the top middle, he's literally tied up um, sacks of meat in the tree for the demon. Those things just rot up there. It's nasty, um, but they think they're feeding their demon. They believe their demon lives in the tree on the left, and honestly, if you walk close to it, you'll kind of wonder. Um, it's just gnarled and, and strange. They've got skulls and bones and symbols strung up all over this thing. Um, this, this was a kind of an oppressive location to go and sit in. Um, and you can see there's, there's some paintings there. It's a little hard to see. He's got a, a serpent um, painted there. I mean, that's not exactly hidden as, as a Catholic saint or anything. I mean, that's pretty clear. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we talked to this priest. He heard the message, and he got up and told us he didn't have time for us, got on his motorcycle and just rode off. Um, his brother took offense to the whole thing and stood up and wanted to defend him. Um, and so he was argumentative and angry and somewhat hostile. Um, we had the whole group there and, and, and we just realized that the conversation was not going anywhere and we just had to trust the spirit, get up and go. Uh, we hope that, you know, a seed was planted and, and we can trust that the spirit may, um, may make it grow. And, you know, no matter how they respond, first John, 3, eight tells us, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. It's not just you, Tim. All right, so these are, uh, are more pictures from, from the video you just saw. Um, you know, this, this priest, his image... Um, power, reputation were, were just incredibly important to him. Uh, he was friendly, but he was arrogant. Um, and I mean, literally, this man, he's in the center in that bottom picture. He sat there with us for two hours in a tank top and basketball shorts. And we said, can we have a picture with you? And he said, yes, hold on. And he runs and gets his robes and everything. He, he, he wanted to look the part, you know. Um, on the top left, he's got his voodoo drums um, they, they, you know, they drum and, and call their demons. Um, they normally have alcohol um, as, as an important part of the ceremony. And, and blood is, is a very important part of, uh, of their ceremonies. They've, they've got a hierarchy to their, um, to their sacrifices. You know, a chicken is, is a low-level ceremony followed by a goat, followed by a bull. And, you know, we know that Christ is our spotless lamb. Um, these guys, when they sacrifice a bull, they're very particular. That's a big ceremony. They want a jet black, every hair on that bull black. Um, it's just a sinister thing. And then, unfortunately, um, with the really dark, the malefactors, the, the highest level of, of sacrifice is, is human. Um, there's places in Haiti where they will take children um, and, and sacrifice them as as part of their ceremonies. Um, so this priest, like I say in his arrogance, he was focused on convincing us that he was good. And, you know, he took the tried and true method of, let me just talk bad about all these Christians I see to prove to you that I'm good. Um, so he wanted to focus on, you know, pastors that would come to Haiti and, and um, 
you know, they'd see the need of the Haitians, but they would go and build their walls and stay behind their walls and live in splendor and just tell people that they were going to hell. Um, so he wanted to, to, you know, critique that. He wanted to talk about so-called Christians in Haiti, just, just hyper, hyper, hyper charismatic, um, deceived people that had not surrendered to Christ, who were dabbling in the spiritual world and, and just doing nasty things in church, um, and, and wanted to, to, you know, go on in that discussion um, about how, you know, that was demonic. Um, and ultimately, it's just, buddy, you cannot build anything good without a foundation of Jesus. You know, so, so it just, it was an interesting conversation. He was very good to, to let us ask questions and document what was there. Um, that was somewhat out of arrogance, but, but it did bring up the good point. You know, the spiritual world, <coughs> excuse me, is real. And you know, we have victory in Jesus. His filling of the Spirit is what protects us and cleanses us. So for anyone who has not surrendered to Christ and is dabbling in the spiritual world and seeking the, the ultra-emotional, uh, the, the experience and calling on spiritual things, it's, it's dangerous. We need to surrender to Christ, trust His filling of the Spirit, His enabling. He enables us as needed, when needed, not just for a insane show of, of giving some voodoo priest a chance to, to try to cut you down. Um, you know, this, these pictures are, are, are a testimony to the power of, of the truth um, in casting out darkness. Um, the, the priest on the left, uh, the very left, uh, on the top, is, is currently practicing voodoo. <clears throat> but um, he wants to leave the demon. He's, he's afraid and he doesn't have, you know, the faith. He, he's in the illiteracy trap. He can't read. He can't write. He can't do anything else. Um, the other man next to him is another former priest. He's given his life to Christ. The pictures on the right are a young Hugan. Um, he wanted Bible study every week. He's a active, practicing voodoo priest. He recognizes and wants the hope and peace of Christ for his community. But it was also very affirming. He was terrified for us to pray for him to touch him if we prayed. He knew that if we touched him, there was a chance that he would lose his uh, abilities, his income. He didn't want anything. Um, he, he recognized the supremacy of the Holy Spirit and for some reason couldn't put his trust in Jesus. Um, the man on the bottom left, we believe, is a practicing uh, malefactor. We, we had an opportunity for a smaller portion of the group to go and, and talk to him. Um, people in the community had talked to Malcolm about things he was doing, and, and, and we wanted a chance to, to sit with him. And, and in speaking scripture with him, it seems like his, his heart was pricked, and he started talking about how he just wanted to, to pack up and move. He wanted to leave his property and leave voodoo behind, and we were kind of questioning that. We were curious, why would, you know, this is Haiti. You have a house. Why would you leave it all behind? Why don't you just rip down your ceremonial places? And, and it was you know, almost like a, like a sitcom, um, Malcolm ended up asking, are you afraid to tear them down? And his wife just looks around and goes, mm-hmm. Um, and you know that they, there's, there's fear in it, there's lack of faith. It, what we were talking about was this iron. When a voodoo priest um, wants to dedicate his life and, and, and his property to, to doing voodoo, they take a, a live animal, they quarter it, and they burn it. 
Um, and then they bury it, and they stab the, uh, this iron rod down into it. And it's really a, a clear sign of whether or not they're active. You know, it's, if it's out there rusted, something's happened. This guy's not working. Um, if it's black and charred, they're actively doing sacrifices and, and ceremonies, burning sacrifices at it. Um, but, you know, either way, all of these guys <coughs> were pricked by the Spirit. Um, and, and, and John 1, 4 to 5 reminds us, you know, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So the presence of God can, can drive out evil in many ways. Um, the Hugan that used this temple heard the gospel message, and he literally proudly proclaimed, um, this is not why we were there. He proclaimed, I know I'm going to hell, and I'm proud of it. Um, so I can't tell you if it was punishment from God, for sure. But a few days after he made that proclamation, he dropped dead. Um, and so his widow now attends the Bible study in the local community. So praise God for that. Um, in the top left, you can see the central pillar. These, a lot of them are outdoor, open-air <coughs> temples. Normally there's drums, alcohol, candles um, involved around that pillar, ready for ceremonies. There's a bottle buried in the ground. That one's right side up. 99% of them are, are upside down, buried at the threshold of their property. You have to step over it. You're stepping into the, the voodoo priest's territory. You're stepping into Satan's territory. And that's what the Haitians wouldn't cross, but, but we don't have to, to fear that kind of thing. And on the bottom, there's just um, pictures and, and symbols. Um, so the real joy is when you see hearts changed and, and whole communities coming to Christ in Haiti. The top pictures are a former malefactor's um, temple. You can see the serpent on the picture on the left and then the snake with the human head painted on the, the right picture. <clears throat> he had been, uh, Malcolm had been warned by people in the community, you know, don't go to this guy. We like you. We don't want anything to happen to you. You don't want to cross this guy. Uh, Malcolm felt convicted to go to him anyway, and, and, and the gospel just softened him. He wouldn't accept Christ, but he said, please come back tomorrow. And when Malcolm came back the next day, he had his whole community brought out. They all got to hear the gospel message, and, and, and the majority of them gave their lives to Christ. They have built an open-air church on his property, and he has supposedly given his life to Christ. Now he's, he's not practicing voodoo. Um, and, and they held Bible study there every week. Um, Malcolm's bought him some paint. He needs to paint over all that garbage. You know, I'd, I'd love to see it bulldozed, but granted, in Haiti, you know, paint over it, show that you've turned your back on it, and, and, and they, they use that building, as creepy as it is, for their Sunday school during church. Um, so it could be put to good use. Uh, I'll let Tim discern between ripping down the high places and, uh, and trying to use them for good. Um, and, and on the bottom, you know, I had a, a, a real honor with, with the two pictures on the left. The, the man in the yellow shirt is, is a practicing Hugan. Um, I had the honor on the last day we were there to present the gospel to him. Um, he's got a softened heart, and, and you know, I'm really anxious. I'm hoping that, that we'll hear good news come out of Haiti sometime soon, that he's finally surrendered his life. You can see his images aren't very Catholic. That was really kind of a, a, a unique temple there. And, and when we were talking, or when we were preparing 
to talk to him, uh, Malcolm gave us a good challenge. Um, he, he reminded us that these guys have heard people's opinions over and over and over. They don't put a lot of stock in what we say, but they trust and, and respect Scripture. So he, he challenged us, you know, don't give this guy the gospel from whatever comes to mind at the moment. Pour into the Bible. Just, just pull out Scriptures and, and line them out. To, to be able to deliver a gospel message from Scripture and trust the power of Scripture, not our words. And that was harder than I thought it was going to be. You know, I started that out thinking, which book do I go to for the whole gospel message in one concise thing? I mean, it, it, it's been a blessing to have that paper, you know. I, I like to use that going to Bonaire and just trusting Scripture over our words. And then the guy on the bottom right is really one of the highlights. He... He was an absolute practicing malefactor, and he has totally given his life to the Lord. He's, he's turned from voodoo. He's being persecuted. He's suffering through the persecution and, and just relying on the Lord. Um, they're building him a house right now, and, and if I remember correctly, he's, they're looking at having him lead a church in the community. He's hosting the Bible studies there. Malcolm comes and, and does the Bible study, and they're, they're working with him, teaching him. Um, he's really, you know, a, a spot of joy. Um, so Luke fifteen six to 7, <clears throat> Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And then we just have a few other um, areas where of, of light shining in Haiti. There's other opportunities for great ministry there. The top left and bottom right are pictures of, of people getting to meet their prayer families. This organization gives people pictures of a family before you go, and you can pray for them, and then you get a chance to meet them and, and get to know them. And so um, that's Ramon with me and his daughter, he, um, that's, and he has two other adopted daughters and a son, and we got to meet him and just find out about his life. Um, his father is actually still a practicing Hugin, but they're Christian. So we're praying with them for that, um, for that to change, for the Lord to change his heart. And if you guys would like to pray for them, that would be great. They could certainly use it. And we just got to talk to him. It was so much fun. Um, we got a first email from him yesterday. They were asking about how we were doing, how I was and um, we got to give them a little care package. It was just, it was really a blessing for us to be able to meet them and just to get to know them. Yeah, I don't really know how they got that email out. He definitely does not have uh, internet, probably not electricity. We met him at the school, so we didn't get to see his house. Um, but then down on the bottom, there's, there's a school, which is really a neat ministry they do. Across Haiti, they've set this up in several places. The school teachers were uh, having to rely on students' parents being able to pay them. So they would only accept kids that they thought their parents could pay them. And then sometimes the parents couldn't pay them, so they would just go and get a job, try to do something to make ends meet, and not really worry about teaching. So it was just a downward spiral. Um, so they've gone in, they'll pay these teachers a fixed salary two or three times what they would make otherwise, which is still extremely affordable. Um, and because they pay the salary, they can teach the Bible, and they will not reject a student. So if they're walking the street and they've got a kid out there just sitting in the ditch hoping for food, hey, kid, you want to go to school? All right, come on. And he'll go, and he'll get a, at least a meal a day. 
uh, and, and he'll get taught the word of God. And then the, uh, the top right is, is a church plant. Um, they really, these buildings cost a little more than, than they want to do. They've, they've really moved towards, they like doing the open air, outdoor buildings. They can just be effective and quick. Um, to get people's sites to come together and learn and worship. Um, but this was a, a nice building, and we had a chance to, to go to a, uh, you know, a worship service there. Um, so 1 John 2, 23, Jesus said to him, or excuse me, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And 1 John 2, 23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either, he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So they're, just, they're teaching the community to give their life to Jesus. You can't mix Jesus and voodoo. You can't serve two masters. And as these people are learning this and giving their, their lives to Jesus, they're, they're finding the joy and the zeal um, that comes from a life with the Lord. And, and Titus 2, 11 to 14 tells us, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So, you know, we trust that the Lord will heal a land that returns to him, um, Romans ten fourteen to fifteen. <clears throat> Excuse me, no. Second um, Chronicles seven thirteen to fourteen. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So the Haitian people desperately need to put their faith in Jesus. And so Romans 10, to 10, 17 tells us, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So if the faith that Haiti desperately needs comes from hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 14 to 15 asks, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You know, I don't know God's call on any of your lives, but I just, I beg you to just be open and listening. You know, we have opportunities to go. We have opportunities to send. Um, it is just a blessing to go and, and, and work with these people. Lord, I just thank you again for this time and this opportunity to share. Lord, I am honored and humbled and, and we just love you and worship you. Please work in the hearts of all those that, that we met in Haiti. We ask that they will, that those who are brothers in Christ will be strengthened and comforted we ask that those who are seeking will, will be softened and that you will grow the seeds within them. We ask that they'll surrender their lives to you, Lord, knowing you as Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Interesting. All right, so we went long. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs>